0: So hello and welcome to the latest episode of The New P&L, Principles and Leadership in Business, the podcast series. I'm Paul, the host of The New P&L, and I'm very grateful you've taken the time to listen today. Today I'm recording this from Maple Street Studios in the heart of London, so a big thanks to Michael, Ali, and all the team there. And just before we start the discussion today, if you're listening to this podcast on iTunes or Spotify or another platform, and you like what you'd hear, then please take a moment to review us. It all helps our ratings and our rankings. And if you'd like to ensure you never miss another episode of the new P&L, go to principlesandleadership.com and subscribe. We'd love to have you as part of our community. So we believe business needs a new P&L, one that is as much focused on principles and leadership as it is on profit and loss. Because we know if your principles are right and aligned with your purpose, and your leadership has a clear vision, focus, strength, and empathy, then your business will be in profit and not loss in so many ways. We have an awesome lineup of guests as we head into 2020. And this week, I'm very excited to welcome Christopher Kenner, CEO and co-founder of Brand Advance. Brand Advance is a company that connects brands with diverse audiences across the globe through comprehensive data and insights, media planning and buying, media partnerships and its diversity ad network and native content platforms. Chris is also a board member of advertising and is a strong advocate for diverse content being coupled with authentic placement within media owners that reach these diverse communities. As a result, Brand Advance is growing rapidly and now partners with over 350 global media platforms serving the Black, Asian and other ethnic minority communities LGBTQ plus communities, those with disabilities, as well as age-related and many other hard-to-reach demographics, in over 150 countries. So, Christopher, a very warm welcome to the new PNL, and thank you so much for taking the time to join us.
1: No, it's a pleasure. Thank you for having me.
0: Thank you. I listened to your life story at the uh, the Future Brands Conference a couple of weeks back, and it was um, it was very inspirational. So, I think it would be great if you could. Start the podcast by giving listeners, you know, just a brief overview of where you've come from and and how you came to establish Brand Advance.
1: Yeah. Um, okay. Let me try and save my thirty-seven years without <laughs> taking thirty-seven years. Yes. Um, so a little bit, I suppose. Start with about me because that tells you why Brand Advance exists. Mm-hmm. So I was born on the Isle of Man. Um, no one really knows where it is, but it's a little rock between the UK and Ireland. Um quite possibly <clears throat> the first black kid ever born on the island man. And the reason why I say quite possibly is there may have been another one, but they definitely weren't born in the hospital because when you leave care you get given all your certificates and like everything they've ever written about you. Mm-hmm. In there uh, I had a certificate that said first black kid born in Noble's hospital and there's only one hospital on the island called right. Noble's so so yeah, um, and then went into care, I was in care till I was 14, joined the army, I was in the army till I was 26, um, two towers of Iraq, one of Afghan, actually had a, uh, an accident while in Iraq. Well, an accident. It was, it was an accident for me. It wasn't for the person that set the bomb. Mm-hmm. Um, but so which put me in a coma for eight weeks while in the coma. You're sort of in that bit between asleep and awake. I don't know what they call it. Is it called lucid?
0: Right.
1: Some word like that. Um, And so I had dreamt um, that, well, I dreamt for eight weeks really, and that I told everybody something about me, and that something being that I thought I was gay. um, And then I had to wake up and then actually tell the world because it was all a dream. Um, And so that sort of made my. I got medically discharged from the military um, when I woke up as well because I have epilepsy you now. Right, it's you know two two major things. One that spared my life away from the military, which is all I'd known it since is. I was a kid, and then the other one, you know, sort of coming to grips with who I was as a person. A um, little bit missed while I was in the military. I was married, I had two kids, Kyra, who's now eighteen. Um, and Jerome, who's 15, um, and it just so happens, same mom, but one of my kids is white, or very blonde-haired, blue-eyed, German-looking, and the other one is eh, looks like me, so he's mixed right. race. You know, so, and the reason that I say that, it's not, it's obviously, makes no difference the color of their skin or their hair or anything, but um, to media, In the world of marketing and media and advertising, it does make a difference because not so much skin color doesn't, obviously, but the media you consume does. So what you culturally feel closer to, I, my daughter culturally feels closer to Western media, whereas my son, you know, even though his dad's from, as you can tell by the accent, is from Manchester, he, he feels closer culturally to the color of our skin, which originates from uh, the Caribbean. Yes. So he, you know, he will, what's the word? He will consume media that's related to him and his culture. He thinks he's going to be a rapper when he's older. He's not, he's rubbish, but he thinks he's <laughs> going to be. So, you know, his media is very different. And yes. brand Advance sort of came because as I, You know, wormed through my second career. Well, actually, it's about my third career in life. But um, as I wormed through the media industry and working in agencies, etc., I started to realize that media doesn't speak to both my kids the same. Mm -hmm. Block's one. You know, the five most block words by uh, advertisers in the UK and in the US are black, er, er, interracial, gay, lesbian, Muslim. You know, and we all know why these words are blocked. Um, Nobody doesn't know why they're blocked. They all can relate to something bad. Black, gang-related content, Muslim, gay, you know, we we know what it could relate to in the context of the whole internet, Mm -hmm. But, but because brand safety is so, it's a blunt instrument, it is, they find a word, it could have an unsafe connotation, so we just block that word, we're actually blocking probably is more than two thirds of the world in our digital right. marketing. And so that's why brand advance exists because I wanted to build something that annoyed me. You know, mm-hmm. I know people are normally more elegant, about, you know, about it and sort of say, I wanted to change the world a bit, but no, 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 no. I just woke up and was annoyed at the industry, I'm, you know, that I love yes. would actually just block one of my kids and me. I'm black and I'm gay. So they're literally blocking me in pretty much three out of the five top words. Um, And it just doesn't seem right for one, but also what about me as a consumer?
0: Yeah. So when you, when you work with a brand now as, as brand advance and you first speak to them and they say, either we know we have an issue with the way we approach our audiences, or we don't speak to a diverse enough audience, or perhaps even, you know, there's not enough di- diverse thinking in our approach, and so on. Do you, where do you, where or how do you start the process of taking them down this road? Do you start by assessing their ad tech, whether that's keyword blocking and so on, and their media strategy, or do you start by challenging their fundamental thinking and assumptions around diversity and how they believe their their brand interacts or serves these communities? Where where where's the starting point for brand advance?
1: Yeah. Um... In all honesty, it's an all-angle, all-prong approach. I was going to say, attack them, but that doesn't make us sound like a friendly company. (laughs) Um, But, you know, because a lot of brands don't want, or rightly or wrongly, they don't really want to consider speaking to a certain demographic if they don't feel like they've got their own shop in order. So, So, you know, we sort of will, from that, we'll sort of say, okay, well, this is what we think these are the audiences that you're missing. Mm-hmm. So, take, I'm drinking a glass of water as I'm speaking to you. So, you know, the, the brand or the brand that owns this glass will sort of say, okay, here is the audience that you've been selling this glass to. Or they tell us really who their audience is that they've been selling or their consumer is that they've been selling this glass to for yeah. X amount of years. And then we'll say, okay, so let's look at what makes up that consumer and then yes. let's go and plop, sort of plop that over the top of different demographics so you know that consumer what does it look like as an lgbtq and you have to break it down further than that so what does the lesbian or bisexual woman ver- version of your consumer look like where are they what are they doing did they over index in buying glasses. Do they yeah. buy three more glasses a year than their straight counterpart? And we do that for all the different strands. You know, LGBTQ plus is an eighty-one billion pound consumer spend in the UK. It's mm-hmm. one trillion in the US. You know, that's a lot of money to just block with two words: gay yeah. and lesbian. Yeah. You know, and if you can find a, an LGBTQ plus publication that doesn't have the word gay and lesbian in. Well, I defy anybody to go and find one. So to block it, it's just... And then we do the same, you know, we do the same for Black, Asian, minority, ethnic, or Mm -hmm. their equivalent in in whatever country. So in the US, we do a lot of work with Latinx and with African-American because that's their version of Babe. Like, Babe doesn't actually mean anything unless you're in the UK. You know, even only half of us know exactly what it means.
0: yeah. Changes. Oh, I noticed um, when you were talking about brands there, the, the brands of water. But I noticed also Coca-Cola last week or the week before it launched its new brand platform across Europe, and the tagline is "Everything is better when we're open." And it stated in the announcement that I read that it, you know, it seeks to position the drink as something that unites people, and it's part of its vow to sort of never shy away from social issues, whether that be rights or sustainability and so on. But I wondered from your perspective when it comes to diversity in the advertising sector where that leadership in your view where it needs to come from to continue to evolve you know is it whether that's in relation to keyword blocking or any other of the multiple elements you know a more diverse representation in the ad industry does it does it come from big brands like coca-cola does it come from the leaders of the ad agencies being courageous enough to encourage their clients to be braver or does it come from a groundswell of more innovative agencies like yourselves, who are pushing, you know, pushing the demand up, if you like, to these to these brands and to these ad agencies.
1: Yeah, um, I think initially, or sort of a starting point is, we're marketeers. We change, we sell stuff people don't even want to them and make them believe that they want it and believe in the fantasy of the brand because mm-hmm. of the brand story we tell them. We're powerful people, you know. We can topple governments and build up things that could never have been built up in any other way than through the power of marketing. So yes, does a, does the responsibility for change lie with marketers? Of course it does. Mm-hmm. You know, we we are we have built individually our careers and our, you know I think it's the fastest growing um, output out of the UK at the moment. Yeah, is we've built all that on. Mindsets and brand stories, and well, basically, you know, I, I'm going to speak like a dumb novena, making people do stuff that we want them to do, yes. you know, yeah, yeah. you know, and if, it, and if we're clever marketeers, we make them think that they thought it first, yeah, <laughs> you know. Um, so yes, does does with great power come great responsibility? Of course it does. Now, the reason for doing this, I think, and the reason why brand advance. Answers go fast on why brands are, are joining us on this journey is, and agencies allowed as well are joining us on this journey is because the conversations change. It used Mm -hmm. to be that it was the right thing to do. You know, speaking to me and my blackness was the right thing to do because everybody should be included and speaking to me and my gayness was the right thing to do because everybody should be included. Now, Rightly or wrongly, and I say this just because in two different people they will give you a different answer to this, but um, the conversation has swivelled to being more of a commercial reason. You know, Google did that study on a thousand work groups, so they they for one year they studied a thousand Google work groups. Mm-hmm. 150 of them were diverse work groups, and the rest were deemed non-diverse work groups. The hundred 100- Fifty diverse work groups outperformed the non-diverse by three times. And mm-hmm. now, not just Google, but companies up and down the globe now ensure that all are working towards all of their work groups being more diverse because it's better on the bottom line. The same has happened with marketing. You know, the the sort of the mainstream, let's say, and you know, if we're going to speak bluntly, the mainstream is quite white and quite straight. Mm-hmm. You know, that has been so saturated with everybody going after every dollar and everybody going for the same dollar that people are now on brands and their agencies are now looking for other avenues to find consumers. And all of a sudden, you know, whether it's me or anybody else comes along and said, well, actually, they're right under your nose. You've just been blocking them all this time. Or Right under your nose, we just didn't even notice they were there because you've all been so tunnel visioned on what mainstream now the outside, the other, has Mm -hmm. become just as mainstream as your idea of what mainstream is, you know? Yeah, Um, and and so, so yeah, I think it's. I I don't know if I waffled a little bit or answered no,
0: not at all, not at all. You have, And and I think just to touch on that point that you know, you talked around. It may be the commercial impetus that finally wakes up brands, if you like, to speak to a more diverse audience rather than just because it's right in, in, in your words. And I'm one thing I'm always slightly skeptical, uh, skeptical about, I guess, is brands who perhaps appear to embrace diversity. So, I guess the changing of the you know some brands' logos to the rainbow flag around Pride celebration is a very obvious example. But I'm always skeptical as to whether it's The reality is it's just more of a commercial veneer with some brands rather than a serious ongoing commitment to ensuring diversity permeates throughout the organization, for example. So whilst, you know, the same brands may be word blocking, many of those words that will stop their ads reaching the intended audience online. So in relation to the depth of the commitment, I guess my next question is, does, does the level of their commitment actually matter in the big picture? You know, if big brands add their considerable weight and that big advertising agencies add their considerable weight to the noise around the diversity conversation and the general awareness increases as a result. Doesn't matter how deep their commitment is in the short term, because does it still help you and your conversations and others who are having deeper and proper conversations and asking the bigger questions? At least there's there's a greater awareness and noise out there. Or should there be authenticity in terms of their their commitment to diversity in the short term? I'm really interested in understanding your view on that.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, so I can sometimes be torn with the answer of this. Yeah. Uh, diversity and inclusion, whether it's in the workplace or in your media plan or in the content that you're sticking on a big screen out in Piccadilly Gardens, Piccadilly Gardens is in Manchester. What you call it here? Um, Piccadilly Circus. Um, (laughs) Then, you know, really, all of that should be ground zero. That we shouldn't be quality. We shouldn't be striving to replicate in our creative or in our media plan the very consumer that's out the window when we're writing it, or yeah, yeah, making yeah. it. you know what i mean that's that should be ground zero so is it okay for brands to slowly tiptoe along and just give their little bit of weight here and a little bit of weight? no it's not mm-hmm. Because i've got a 15 year old kid that's about to hit the, the world that we're we're both in you know and the listeners here are in and i'll be damned if he's going to come into this world and we're still trying to figure out whether he's fully in, you know yeah, thought yeah, of within yeah. marketing yet like no he needs to come into this world and be an equal because well at the moment he's not he's not mm-hmm. looked at the same as his sister yet they're both banker dad they're, yeah. as a consumer they are exactly the same they both get their money from my pocket but you know in in paper and when media plans so there's that there's um uh, you said about pink question well there's no yeah. words for it but change, changing your brands to um uh, the pride flag. That's fine. I, I I don't have anything against it because there's always that first time. I mean, the, really, the first time should have been yet fifty years ago. Mm-hmm. But you know, the world takes its time to catch up. So yes, I don't mind doing that. That are brands doing that, in my personal opinion. What bothers me the most is their commitment to doing diversity campaigns. I and what I mean by that is. Campaigns that speak to LGBTQ plus or inclusive of LGBTQ plus, or Black Asian minority ethnic, or disability, or religion, or over fifty. And you've probably heard me say this already, but my interesting fact about over 50 47 percent of all consumer spend in the UK is made by 50, someone fifty or above. Mm-hmm. Yet only four to five percent of advertising is directed at them. You know, wow. so there's, there's, there's these inequalities even within mainstream demographic with their older <laughs> you know yeah, counterparts yeah. you know um but all of that there's a first time for everybody so i do this i sometimes hate it when because it's sort of they they're not doing themselves any justice when all of the lgbtq media attack a brand because it's the first time that they've put the pride flag and they are you know like we sh- shouldn't really we we need to make sure that they don't just think they can change their, their logo to our, to the flag and then we're all going to spend our money with them. If that's what they think, then, you know, they're solely mistaken, but it should be a concerted effort after that. And I also believe we, brands don't need to have a diversity campaign to speak to black people or to lesbian or to people in a wheelchair or to, you know, like all of their media plans should be considerate, uh, uh, considerate of all these demographics. Mm-hmm. You know, so these should be always-on campaigns, not once-a-year campaigns. Yeah, 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 you, you know what
0: I mean? I do, yeah. Like it
1: yep. should be part of, you don't need special creative to speak to uh, LGBTQ+. plus mm-hmm. A single man or a single female in a piece of creative Can work. Why wouldn't it? You you don't know. It's a it's a poster. You don't know the sexuality of them. It works. You just maybe need to be a little bit considerate in your copy. You know, if you want to be really clever, Mm -hmm. you can use they instead of he and she, which sort of brings in the non-binary element. All of the LGBTQ plus and beyond will appreciate the brand for putting the word they. Mm -hmm. It reads a little bit differently, and you wouldn't stick that in the Independent, but you stick that in Gay Times or Attitude or Diva or. Uh, you know, the other 150 publications and platforms that speak to um, this $1 trillion consumer spend, and they're going to appreciate it. They're 2.7, I think the ASA ASA study said they were 2.7 times more likely to buy a brand, 50% more likely to come back, just because you've been considerate of that demographic and placed your everyday media inside contextually relevant uh, environments.
0: Yeah, yeah. So Jerry Dakin, who obviously uh, you're very aware of, you shared a stage with him uh, at the Future of Brands conference as well, and I was reading an article from him recently that he wrote that while there is still a lot to be achieved in t- terms of true diversity or a true diverse approach, uh, both in terms of representative content and advertising and also the audiences we're targeting, we we also need to consider how much progress has been achieved to date, um, but when you're working with brands who feel, because to use the the example again, because they've changed their logo to the to the rainbow f- flag, when they feel they're already there when it comes to more representative content and greater audience reach, how do you convince them that yes, you know, we have come a long way, but we still have an awfully long way to go? What's the What's the conversation look like to them?
1: <laughs> it starts with a little giggle. Uh, Anna, Anna, are you joking or are yeah, you being serious? Yeah. Um, I mean, you're probably asking the wrong person because I'm the least tactile when it comes to somebody who is <laughs> idiotic. Like, we're nearly there. And you think, like, really, are you? You know, Jerry is a great example of somebody that is leading from the front. And it's not just him. You know, mm. um, Sarah Mansfield and Louis Decomo, from Unilever. Leading from the front, you've got, um, her name has totally just left my head and that's really bad because I admire her. She is from WPP, country manager.
0: uh, Karen Karen Blackett.
1: Karen Blackett. (laughs) Sorry, Karen. Um, (laughs) Yeah, you know, there's people like that leading. Then there's lots of people within each brand and within their agencies as well that want to make this happen. You know, like I haven't really come across a brand or an agency that says, we do not want to take these steps. We don't want to speak to this audience. We don't mm-hmm. want to find a way through. I haven't found one. Um, what I, what I, from my experience have found is just hesitation, inexperience, scared. You know, uh, I don't think there's another word. It's just because it's not the way it's always been done and because you need to think of different things. and you know, the nuances of each of these audiences and you can't just stick your media in all the places where it's always been yes. um, to reach these audiences. They're just not there. Yep. Then then it's meant that people are being apprehensive. Um, but it doesn't mean that there's not a willingness to do it. You know, there's a, <laughs> this isn't a smoke up backside moment, but the reason why we've grown, uh, You know, big so well, growing so fast. sorry. is that the brands are wanting to do this? You know, and so do the agencies as well. It takes time to filter through the agencies. Um, We would be doing a lot more campaigns Mm -hmm. if if there wasn't the red tape of agencies. And it's not a single person or group of people's within the agencies' fault. They've just been steered on this track you know, um, and now they're trying to pivot to, 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 to react to the times, yep. you know? So we can attack them and say, Oh, they are the agency models dead. we need. We're not an agency. We're a, a, a diversity media network. We yes. need the agencies. We need them to come to us with briefs and we will give them an audience cause we have the media and we'll give them the expertise to reach that audience and make sure they don't make silly mistakes. Like Tesco's Muslim family eating turkey at Christmas, but nobody thought to check if Tesco's yeah, did yeah, um, halal yeah. turkey. You know, um, we'll make sure that that doesn't happen for a brand or their agency. Um, and I, I think what I'm long winded trying to say is they are. You know, I'm speaking in two days. I'm at the, it's my first big, big keynote. Not the Future of mm-hmm. Brands wasn't big because it was. It was nice. It's good. The um, But it's the ISPA conference, so I'm keynote to now. One of the points I really want to get across is not you all need to do better, because I think there's enough, well, straight white men just get destroyed on stage every week, so I feel sorry for them. (laughs) They're becoming the diversity now, (laughs) Um, (laughs) bullied. But, you know, uh, and also sort of agencies not being able to. To move with the times, and is the model dead, and blah blah blah. I don't believe any of that. I think now we know people have know the problem. Now they knew it before I stood on stage and gave them the whole life story of my kids and blah blah blah. Mm -hmm. You know, didn't take me going through that to make people understand what keywords they were blocking. I think we just we get comfortable. I like being comfortable. You know, I live in (laughs) it, in a nice area. I like it. You know we like we like comfort, but yeah. I just think they do agencies and their brands because their brands are coming to companies like Brand Advance and saying we want to do better. Now it's you know my job and leaders like uh, Jerry uh, and advertising is a big you know has a big part to play in this. It's now our job to steer the big agencies, and uh, uh, with that comes their brands through and how, you know, how to really do a direct 180 course change. Mm-hmm. They've never done this before. They've never really, you know, it was called minorities because that's what it was stood off as, you know, it was ethnic minorities. Now 52% of London is BAME, yeah. depending on yeah. what you classify inside BAME, but 52 between, from 52 to 57% of London could be BAME, whatever the classification is, who's mm-hmm. asking? You know, so that's that's a big demo that's a big part of our main city.
0: It is, yeah. I mean one one thing I'm interested in and doing a lot of reading on at the moment is, you know, the role of algorithms and technology clearly in in this whole discussion. And you know, technology itself, it has no it has no agency, it doesn't have bias in itself, but it is ultimately designed by us and we are all humans with bias in one way or another. And so as such, algorithms and so on, they can't They can't be seen as truly independent or without agency. They must inevitably carry some of the inherent conscious or unconscious bias of those who design them. So in in terms of ad tech, how do we we address the algorithms as well as the advertising?
1: I think the only way, and I have been speaking on this and speaking to people about this quite a lot, the only way is to counteract the bias with more... How do you say it? Okay, so an algorithm I won't say what platform it's on because I was speaking to them not long ago but mm-hmm. they might um, sue me but <laughs> they there's an uh, they have a problem in that their job algorithm mm-hmm. puts job adverts in front of certain people on their platform and they found that it keeps putting nurses in front of females and doctors in front of males right and now you know the algorithm, like you said, itself isn't biased. It can't be. It can only, it's, a, it's a load of notes and ones. Mm-hmm. You know, it can only be what it's told to be, but also it can be what it's taught to be. And yes. if more yeah. females are clicking on the nurse's ad and more males are clicking on the doctor's ad, then the, the algorithm is sucking that in and saying, okay, that's what people want. So we're going to spit it back out. And so then it's adding to the bias because it's only given it to them people now, you know, mm-hmm. to them two different. Um, I think the only way to counteract that is to do what we're sort of doing in, in-house, in agencies and companies. And that is, you know, positive discrimination, I suppose, but in the form of um, working that into an algorithm. So saying to an algorithm, okay, you might... For the next hundred people, might all be female that click on this ad, but actually, every sixth ad we want you to give it to a male. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, Because like, yeah. yeah. I can't think of any other way. So I, I'm trying to say that as I'm not a, I'm not a programmer, or not to any extent anyway. So I'm trying to say it in a way that might that simplifies it. Maybe I'm simplifying it too much, but I can only imagine that that's the only way we can do it is to sort of yes. Tell the algorithm to be unbiased, but by being, you know, <laughs> does, does, yeah. does that make sense? It does
0: make complete sense. Yeah, yeah. You're you're asking it to to rethink its core proposition, I guess, in some yes. respects, aren't you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. we're yeah. saying
1: you've got the the equation, you've got it perfectly. Yes. Well yep. done, computer. Yeah. But actually, we don't want you to get that equation because that's a problem that we've got already. Yeah. Yes. So we're, we're, we're inputting wrong. So I think that we're going to have to think about that. And it hasn't been given enough thought across everything where algorithms are running at the moment. Yeah. we're sort of we're allowing it to teach itself for the next well for the last five years and probably for the next five years to to be wrong.
0: So a, I mean, part of that, I guess, the, the redevelopment of ad tech and, and rethinking the way we write a, uh, algorithms comes down to a commitment to true diversity. You know, right at the heart of a business, and that, and that commitment can't be manufactured it needs to sit at the heart of a brand or a tech ad tech company's thinking and its culture so in terms of those CEOs and leaders out there and in the brand world and advertising world and an ad tech world what's your advice to them in terms of how they can ensure cultural and social diversity becomes part of a company's culture and not just part of its conversation so you know there is more of a veneer uh, less of an air and more of a, a genuine, true commitment to to diversity at the heart of the organ? Where do they start? If the you know they think, well, we need to do something, but what do we do to to start to embed the thinking, not just the conversation?
1: Yeah, um, I think if you ask ten people, you'll get ten different answers to this. But so let me just give you my truthful, learned answer. Yep. It yep. might be wrong to ninety percent of the people that listen to this, but let me just say it anyway. Um, I my life has been able to be I've been able to become the man I am now because of positive discrimination. Let me tell you why. I got into the army. One, I got fast tracked because um, I'm an ethnic minority, and two, because I was in care. Um, I then got to do things in the army and rise up the ranks, and I eventually got went to Hereford um, because off again, different processes the army had put in place that meant that there was a sort of, I would say a positive discrimination against people that wouldn't inherently have been thought of to go on that course so right. they could become, a, become a, a lance corporal and then a corporal and then a sergeant. You know, um, my company itself, Brand Advance, we couldn't possibly, I couldn't possibly stand on stage with people like Jerry Dakin or stand in Rotterdam on Unilever stage saying, we're really happy to partner with you, knowing that I've got an office back uh, in the UK that doesn't reflect the very people that we're trying to help Hmm. Unilever or GSK reach. Sure. So we have positively positively discriminated in a way that (sighs) we've, if, we're looking for 10 positions, we will allocate a certain amount to be to a certain demographic. It doesn't always fit in that, and we don't say you're not getting the job because you're just, you know, you're too white for the job. That would never happen. But we make sure, because we've allocated that portion of the job, of the, the available jobs, to a certain demographic, we make sure that maximum effort is put to find the right candidates for the job but in areas where you're going to find that demographic.
0: Yes, yeah.
1: Do you know what I mean? Like there's this misconception where people think that positive discrimination means a lowering of standards and taking on somebody just because of the race, religion, or sexual orientation they are, whereas there was somebody that wasn't the same as them but was better at the job. Gosh, Mm -hmm. if I don't think there is a a lesbian or a disability disabled person or an over 50s person that can't do my job better than me I'd be stupid and if anybody else listening to this or out there in the world thinks that then they are silly there is the the only difference that brand advance does we don't lower our standards we don't have uh you know uh, a team that's not quite as good as it could be because we we focus more on diversity my team is kick ass like yeah. there's no other way words for them we've managed in 18 months to bag clients that agencies would have loved to have bagged in 18 months you know yeah. Yeah. and I, I, that isn't because of me i'm just a gobby one that goes on stage <laughs> it really is not it's because of them and it's because they're passionate and and now we don't even need to worry about any kind of positive discrimination or the six degrees of separation from everybody in my office You know, in the UK and in New York, is that they already know people like themselves. You know, the main problem in HR isn't for the want of, uh, you know, for the want of will. Is that even a saying? No, isn't, you know, for the will of trying or that people in the HR department don't want to bring in diverse uh, candidates. It's just we go to who we are and who we know. Our six degrees of separation. Ten to meet us with six other people just like us. Or, you know, not too dissimilar. You know, we're a very, we're a tribal, clicky being. Mm-hmm. We, we, yeah. we, we like to be people, around people like own oh, since the dawn of time. So I think the only, what I would say, I'm not really giving any advice. I'm just telling everybody what I am, what we've done. What I would say to companies that I wanted to do it is you're really going to have to work with your teams to, to change the mindset that is, well, one that you'll have to bring your standards down because you yeah. know not. There are people from every race, religion, and sexual orientation that are perfect for whatever job you've got right mm-hmm. now. All you've got to do is chuck the net a bit wider. Look in the places. They're not going to come to you because, you know, let's speak honestly, they may not have had the privilege in life to know where you are.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: You know that's the reason they're not coming to you because if they could get to you, they'd be knocking on your door, telling you that how they are the best hire you could find. You know, and that doesn't matter where they are from in the world. Mm-hmm. They just don't know where to look because life and society hasn't quite got round to making it all too equal just yet. Yeah. So, yeah. So, so that's that's what I'd say. My advice it would be just you know sit down with your team, come up with a five-point plan of where are we looking well we're not going to look there for these roles we're going to look over there it might feel a bit alien it might feel a little bit off but i guarantee you you're going to come out with a gem or two
0: yeah yeah there's a lot more i'd like to ask you christopher but i'm very conscious of your time so i think uh, i might end on on a positive note for the future and and i you know you work and have conversations with lots of young leaders or, or young future leaders. And those will be the next generation in tech and advertising and brands as well. What, what characteristics do you see in them? That gives you the confidence to know that we are firmly heading in the right direction when it comes to greater understanding and commitment and embracing of, of diversity, of all, of all nature.
1: Ah, oh, great question. Um, because it's making me smile a lot. Just sat here. <laughs> Gosh. The next generation, uh, they're not even like me or you or anything that's been before. They, you know, they look at the world differently. You know, the young ones, the sort of Gen Z, I can take that from my kids and just the very stuff that's a problem in their life. You know, people aren't called queer in the playground anymore. No one Mm -hmm. really cares about that. That's not really, certainly not in my son's school. That's not a thing. Whether you've made it rubbish picture on your Instagram can get you a load of grief, but you know, your sexual orientation doesn't. I think for young leaders as well, they are, they've sort of caught the, caught a little bit of that vibe. Mm -hmm. They've, They've, they look at the world and they know that where the consumer are, they either are the consumer that they're trying to reach and they're telling you, you know, that's not where I would be. So that can't be where the consumer is. And also I think one thing that's gone now that I think was an older generation, no offense to anybody older, but was, is the status quo thing, you know, where that's the way it was done. So that's the way it shall Mm -hmm. continue. You know, that seems to be, you don't find that in the younger generation. No, that's very true.
0: Actually. It's a really good point.
1: You know, like now it's, Okay, well, I'll find another way to do it. Oh, yeah. You know, that way, or oh, they, they've already got a pre, you know, uh, a sort of preconceived idea of that was the wrong way. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it might be a bit biased. They say it's the wrong way just because the older generation did it, which isn't always true either. I love tradition. I come from the military, so I like that bit. Yeah. But, you know, we're meant to be efficient and effective marketeers um, and business leaders in one of It just needs to be marketers in any walk of life, in any uh, sector. We need to be efficient. And me, as a CEO and as a young leader, you know, I've got a board and I've got investors, and I need to make my investors money, and I need to make show the board that each year or each quarter we're moving forwards, not backwards. And the way we do that is by embracing the new. You know, a lot of big brands now are pivoting. Um, whether it's on sustainability or diversity or what, whatever other um, sort of direction they're taking, and but that and they're doing that because they know that that's that's the new direction of any company. Young leaders already inherently have that in their DNA, you know, to pivot fast.
0: I, yeah, I think you're right. I mean, I, I it kind of makes me think of you know when we were all kids. We were able and encouraged to ask why, um, but as you become a teenager and you grow into adult life, you are expected to mold in, as you've quite rightly highlighted, into the status quo. I think the difference, as you say, with the younger generation today is, and you know, when I work with young marketeers as well, they they're still able to ask why as an adult, and I think you're you're spot on that that is a fundamental culture change that 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 desire and that curiosity and that inquisitiveness hasn't left them as they've, as they've gone into the workforce. There's, we're, we have an environment now where we're able to ask why, and, and that's going to encourage more entrepreneurialism, more diverse thinking, more embracing and acceptance. And, and I think that's a, that's a wonderful dimension that we have now that perhaps for the first time ever that exists.
1: Yeah, no, and I truly believe that. And I think, you know, even cultural difference, here's a good example. Have you seen how many absolutely smashing it? <laughs> Entrepreneurs are coming out of up north at the moment. You've got yeah. like Steve Bartlett, you've got, yes. um, who else have we got up there? You've got like Boohoo and Pretty Little Thing, Usman, uh, Kamani, and you've got all of these big companies. You've got, got his name, but he has Gymshark coming out oh, of yeah. Birmingham. You know, absolutely like hundred million pound businesses mm. in three years. Um, because up there we ask a lot more. And I think the younger generation are coming into big cities like London and New York and Sydney and uh, wherever and I know are bringing what you've just said, which is continuing to ask why. Like, yeah. why are we doing it like that? And then if the answer isn't good enough, you just say no. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do it that way. I'm going to find another way. And then they have smashed through businesses. But yeah.
0: Christopher, that's a, a great spot to. Um... To end the podcast on, I think. I'd love to have you back in a few months' time again if you have the time and uh, in six months' time. It would,
1: it would be a pleasure. I'd love yeah, to. but
0: thank you very much for your time. It's been a real pleasure.
1: No, no, no problem. Thank you for having me.
0: For those of you who would like to understand a little more detail about what Christopher and his team does, please go to wearebrandadvance.com. And to all of you who have downloaded and listened to this and the other episodes of the new PL, I thank you once again for taking the time. And as I said in the introduction, if you've liked what you've heard, please take a moment to review us. It all helps the rankings and the ratings. And if you'd like to subscribe, please go to principlesandleadership.com. Finally, before we go, a quick word from the sponsors of this podcast. It's sponsored this week by UK-based multimedia design and animation studio, Kamuka. And you can check them out at kamuka.com. That's C-A-M-O-U-K-A acom And if you'd like us to... Consider a specific talk, topic related to the new PL or interview you, then let us know too, we'd be very happy to chat. So I'm Paul from the New PL Principles and in Leadership in Business, and thank you once again for listening. <laughs>